going on? Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here. Thanks a lot for hanging out. I do appreciate it. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. And uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, including the WBT app, you can listen live at WBT.com. Download the app. It is free, like the podcasts. And uh, you can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. I charge for those, though. $150 per email. No, I'm kidding. They're free, too. Uh, the phone number... Hey. What's up? How you doing? That's the uh, mascot there for the Charlotte Knights. He's outside the uh, the studio. You never know who's going to walk past the studio door. Um, 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, alrighty, so... I did not have time to get to it yesterday, uh, and it did just come down on Friday. It is, of course, the latest installment of the Twitter files. Right. All right. So uh, this came down on Friday, written up by Matt Taibbi. Um, it, uh, he's a you know, liberal. He's a journalist, longtime journalist, and uh, but he doesn't work for any kind of corporate media uh, outlets, and so uh, he's independent and. I suspect that is one of the reasons why uh, Elon Musk, the new owner of the crime scene that is masquerading as a uh, social media platform, Twitter, uh, that's why Elon Musk brought him in, among others. There are several different independent journalists who have been doing some of the work. And basically, as I understand it, how this works is, according to Taibbi, uh, they will send over, he will send over to Twitter and Musk and whoever else is working on the Twitter side of things, and he'll ask them for, uh, you know, here are the keyword searches, here are the individuals' names, and I'm looking for documents related or emails and chats related to these terms. They then get the trove of documents. They then comb through it to try to piece together what they can. And, uh, look, I assume they have done some uh, searches and research that hasn't actually yielded anything, right? But we are now in installment number 15 of the Twitter files. So what is this one about? Well, it's about Hamilton 68. Do you remember this organization? Hamilton 68? This was uh, one of the main, if not the main sources for media, for universities, even for government officials. The main source to, quote, prove that Russia was trying to swing the election for Donald Trump in 2016 and that all of the social media amplification threads you know, release the memo, uh, uh, you know, Hillary's emails, whatever, that all of these were tied to Russian accounts, Russian bots, and that this was all in service to getting Donald Trump elected because Russia wanted Donald Trump because Donald Trump was Vladimir Putin's puppet. So Hamilton 68, this is the group. They had a dashboard that they created That was then cited because that was publicly facing. You could go to their website. You could see their dashboard. And they had charts and and rundowns of different uh, uh, examples of how stories blew up on Twitter. So here is, uh, this is from Robbie Soev at Reason.com. He says, 
the latest installment of uh, the Twitter files is extremely damning. He says it's extremely damning an organization with ties to the U.S. national security apparatus falsely portrayed a bunch of mostly right-leaning Trump-supporting Twitter content as nefarious and Russian in origin. The mainstream media eagerly peddled this incorrect narrative, and Twitter wavered on pushing back when they knew that this wasn't true, but they wavered on pushing back because elite sentiment was so predisposed to imagine Russian operatives hiding behind every curtain. The Twitter content moderators knew that it was to quote the head of trust and security, Yoel Roth. They knew it was BS, although he didn't use the initials. They knew it was garbage. And then they had a debate inside Twitter. What should they do? Because they were mad that they were being accused of essentially, you know, coordinating or allowing Russia to use the platform against our democracy. But they didn't want to criticize Hamilton 68 because of who Hamilton 68 was getting funded by, who was on the board of directors, who they were attached to or to whom they were attached. And they were afraid of the bad press. They tried to work the refs, as I've always called it, working the refs, right, where you you talk to the media off the record, of course, and you try to give them alternative theories and you try to give them, you know, different pieces of information that might shed a different light or create a different perspective or narrative about a particular story. So Twitter tried to work the refs. And what they found was that the refs were uninterested. In other words, the media, the reporters who were taking the uh, Hamilton 68 information and amplifying it and citing it as an authoritative, credible source, they did not care to hear Twitter telling them, this is BS, guys. Hamilton 68 is feeding you lies. And they did not care. They ran with the stories anyway. They pushed out Hamilton 68 propaganda anyway. And now we know. Now we have the receipts. We have the proof. Hamilton 68 billed itself as a digital dashboard. And that dashboard claimed to track Russian influence. And it was the source of hundreds, maybe thousands of mainstream print and TV news stories during the Trump years. The dashboard was headed up by a fellow by the name of Clint Watts. Who is Clint Watts? Well, he's a former FBI counterintelligence official. Is that concerning at all? Knowing what we know now about the FBI and its tentacles that were all inside of Twitter, but other social media outlets and newsrooms, which, by the way, all of the stories we have heard about the infiltration of the uh, intelligence community into social media, and also, by the way, media. I'm going to get to that. But um, all of the stories that we have heard, why do you think that the mainstream, quote, legacy outlets, or as Rush called them, the drive-by media, which is like still the most (laughs) appropriate term to use, 
They just literally drive by, spray the area, move on, right? Just not caring who they hit in the process. Um, why, why aren't they interested in this? There's really only a couple reasons, right? They either don't care for ideological reasons, right? They're afraid it's going to you know, make particular people look bad and it harms their cause, or they were part of it. And I suspect that they've got people all in their ranks that are part of it. They don't want to burn sources. They don't want to make it uh, awkward for them. They don't want to lose those sources, right? So this guy, Clint Watts, not only is, a, is he a former FBI counterintelligence official, he's also an MSNBC contributor currently. And this uh, organization, Hamilton 68, it was funded by the Alliance for Securing Democracy, or the ASD, or as I call it, the ASD. What is the ASD? Who makes up that organization? Ah, glad you asked. I'll get to that in a moment. So an organization called Hamilton 68 creates this, quote, dashboard to track all of the influencing that the Russians were doing on social media, on Twitter. Hundreds of accounts, they say. We have a list. In our hand, we have a list. No, you cannot see that list. We have a list, though, and it's it's the Russian influencer list. The Hamilton 68 group was headed up by former FBI counterintelligence official and current MSNBC contributor Clint Watts. It was funded by a neoliberal think tank called the Alliance for Securing Democracy. The ASD, or ASD, uh, Advisory Council, so the people who were brought in, like as the board of director, the Advisory Council includes Bill Crystal, neocon writer, former ambassador to and also a never trumper right former ambassador to Russia Michael McFall ex Hillary for America chief John Podesta and former heads or deputy heads of the CIA the NSA and the Department of Homeland Security so that's who had sponsored the Hamilton 68 project news outlets for years according to the uh, latest installment of the Twitter files. News outlets... News outlets for years cited Watts and Hamilton 68 when they were claiming that Russian bots were amplifying an endless parade of social media causes, such as opposition to strikes in Syria, in support of Fox News host Laura Ingram as well as the campaigns of both Donald Trump and, yes, even Bernie Sanders. Hamilton 68 was the source for stories claiming Russian bots had pushed terms like deep state or hashtags like hashtag fire McMaster or hashtag Schumer shutdown or hashtag walk away or hashtag release the memo or even hashtag Alabama Senate race. And yes, even the hashtag Parkland shooting, among many others. So people, the allegation here is that these hashtags, and if you don't know how hashtags work, they basically, um, if you write a post, you write a tweet, and you put the, the little number sign, the 
that that pound sign, that hashtag is what they call it. You put that in to your post or tweet, and then you put something like Schumer shutdown. I did this because it's a way to put your comment into the the larger searchable body of content that is all about that particular thing. I talk a lot about North Carolina politics on the Twitter machine. And so when I do, I put in the hashtag NCPOL, as do hundreds or thousands of other people. When they're commenting on North Carolina politics, they put the hashtag NCPOL. And what that allows you to do then is to click it because it turns blue. It becomes a link, right? You click it, and now you can see what everybody is talking about on the NCPOL hashtag. So it it pulls together all those tweets and it aggregates them into a into a single uh, list, basically. And so what the Hamilton 68 organization, what their dashboard was alleging was that all of these hashtags, which remember the walk away one? That was that was telling Democrats to walk away from their party. Remember, they're saying that that along with the Schumer shutdown when when they were in the fight about whether to shut down the government and all that or release the memo. That was the Devin Nunes memo or the Alabama Senate race, which. Like, that's a pretty that's a pretty common one. If you're talking about the Alabama Senate race and a lot of people were because of the the terrible candidate. What was his name? That was macking on the underage girls a long time ago. But. And the Parkland shooting. Like these are all common hashtags. And so they're saying that the Russian bots were all in there amplifying Donald Trump messaging. The secret ingredient to their analytical method, it was their list. And what they said was, quote, our analysis has linked 600 Twitter accounts to Russian influence activities online. That was how the site put it when they launched. That was their description. On their page, it says, so what is this tool exactly, this dashboard? And they describe themselves. They say, in the Federalist Papers, number 68, Alexander Hamilton wrote of protecting America's electoral process from foreign meddling. Today, we face foreign interference of a type that Hamilton could scarcely have imagined. And so they seek to expose the effects of online influence networks and inform the public of themes and content being promoted to Americans through a near real-time look at Russian propaganda and disinformation efforts online. Okay, I understand the concept. Russians are all up in our biz, and so we're going to identify their accounts. We know these guys are, are you know, Russian bots and such, and so we're going to monitor them and where are they doing their work. They say they they linked 600 Twitter accounts, okay? But they never released the list. They would never tell us who was on that list of 600. Why? Because they said if they did, then the Russians would just shut down the accounts. Okay, that that does kind of make some sense. But the problem there is that we cannot confirm who these accounts are. We cannot confirm whether there's even 600 of them. All those reporters and TV personalities making claims about Russian bots never really knew what they were describing. And to me, that's a problem. As a former reporter, journalist, that's a problem. You're just reporting on the existence of this tool, but you don't have any look under the hood to know whether or not you are helping to amplify disinformation. Twitter executives, though, ah, 
they had a unique position, right? Because they could find out who was on the list. And they did. I did not know that. I've been informed now. Okay, first off, I think there are too many names for the pound sign. What's up with hoarding all of the all of the names there, pound sign? All right, you got the pound sign. Tic-tac-toe board, as Chris mentioned here in the studio during the break. It, he's always, hey, it's the tic-tac-toe board. Like, that is true, too. It's the pound sign, tic-tac-toe. It's now the hashtag. We now call it hashtag. And then we got a call, and somebody offered up that the, the word, the I guess the original word, because it does sound old-timey, Octothorpe. Is that it? I Did I get it right? Octothorpe. Like, first off, who knows that? Secondly, thanks for sending, <laughs> thanks for calling and telling me. But how come you get, how come this little, this little pound sign, tic-tac-toe, hashtag Octothorpe, you got four names for this thing. Meanwhile, the asterisk, it's got one. Okay, maybe two, you call it the star. Maybe you call it star. But ampersand, that's all that thing's called. Otherwise, you're calling it the and sign, which no, nobody, well, maybe I always call it ampersand. But I never refer to it. You never tell somebody ampersand something. You just say and. I'm sure it has to do with the invention of the typewriters and the uh, and, and the telephone. I, I guess. I don't know. All right. So uh, back to the Twitter files here. Oh, that's true. It's also called the number sign. Five names. What a glutton. Five names. Got to write that down, too. The number sign. All righty. Um, so Hamilton 68, this organization run by the you know neoliberal think tank ASD and uh, just completely, you know, populated by former Intel folks, neocons, lefties, Hillary Clinton campaign, chief of staff, John Podesta. Like, it's just a who's who, you know? So they put out this dashboard and they're like, we're tracking all the Russian bots influencing our election real time. And so, of course, they get hundreds or thousands of media stories written about them. And Twitter executives, because the Hamilton 68 folks would not divulge the list of the usernames that they were monitoring and tracking. And they said there were 600 of them. But Twitter, Twitter could. Twitter actually went and reverse engineered it from the site's requests for Twitter's data. Concerned about the deluge of Hamilton-based news stories, that's what they did and what they found shocked them. So I'm reading here, it's very small, but they found their API key, which stands for something uh, uh, computery or something. And uh, and so they say they found the key, and uh, they say, at long last, I've been able to reverse engineer the list of accounts behind the Hamilton 68 dashboard. And he starts explaining, full list here, he's got the Google document there, but they, he goes on to say, the dashboard includes 648 accounts, as opposed to the 600, they claim. It's 648. The selection of accounts is dot, 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 bizarre. 
and seemingly quite arbitrary, they appear to strongly preference pro-Trump accounts, which they use to assert that Russia is expressing a preference for Trump, even though there's no good evidence that any of the accounts they selected are or are not actually Russian. They say there was no evidence that uh, no evidence to support the statement that the dashboard is a finger on the pulse of Russian information ops. They called it, quote, hardly illuminating a massive influence operation. So now that Twitter knows this, what do they do? Twitter immediately recognizes these Hamilton driven news stories presented a major ethical problem potentially implicating them. Yoel Roth, the head of the Security and Trust, says real people need to know that they've been unilaterally labeled as Russian stooges without evidence or recourse. Think about that. You're just on Twitter having some laughs, posting some memes, whatever. And uh, unbeknownst to you, you got tossed onto a list by some neoliberal think tank that says you're a Russian bot or you're promoting Russian disinformation. Some Twitter executives badly wanted to go after Hamilton 68. After Russians were blamed for hyping the Parkland shooting hashtag, one of them wrote, quote, why can't we say that we have investigated and cite Hamilton and and reporters who cite Hamilton 68? That would be wrong, irresponsible and biased. They wanted to go right at Hamilton 68. Why can't we say we investigated and citing them is wrong, irresponsible, and biased? Yoel Roth wanted a confrontation. He said, my recommendation at this stage is an ultimatum. We tell Hamilton 68, you release the list or we will. So what happened? The list did not get released. What do you think happened? Well, we had some internal concerns. Might make things a bit awkward. Why? They were worried about taking on the Alliance for Securing Democracy. Again, I'm going to try to read this. It's very, very tiny on my printout. But this is a screenshot of the uh, email. Uh, This is Yoel Roth saying, I'm increasingly of the opinion that the dashboard is actively damaging and promotes polarization and distrust through its shoddy methodology. It's toxic from a partnership standpoint, but my recommendation at this stage is an ultimatum. Either you release the list or we will. That got a response from um, Emily Horn, who was working inside Twitter, who said, quote, we have to be careful. From a comm standpoint, we are working extensively with reporters off the record and on background to explain the flaws in Hamilton 68's methodology without getting into our full knowledge of it and to press them to encourage Hamilton 68 to be more transparent on their methodology. Carlos and others on Twitter policy have been pushing back similarly with congressional staff. This is how far up the ladder this thing goes. And Emily Horn says we have to be careful in how much we push back on ASD publicly. That was the concern. We have to be concerned. We have to be worried. We have to be careful about pushing back on the Alliance for Securing Democracy. 
This is what Emily Horn said, who was in communications with Twitter. By the way, what do you think Emily Horn is up to nowadays? Care to take a guess? Yeah, she became a White House and NSC spokesperson. <laughs> and she went to work for the Biden administration. So when she's saying, got to be careful, we don't want to go after, uh, you know, chal- we don't want to challenge the, the politically connected alliance for securing democracy. And then as soon as Biden wins, she's in the White House and, uh, and at NSC uh, as a spokesperson. Do you think her advice to Twitter may have been a bit tainted or biased there? But she also mentioned a fella named Carlos. Sorry, I don't mean to ascribe gender. But the name is Carlos, who works in policy at Twitter. Who is Carlos? Carlos is a fellow by the name of Carlos Manji or Manje. Carlos Manje wrote, quote, I also have been very frustrated in not calling out Hamilton 68 more publicly, but I understand we have to play a longer game here. What's the longer game? Is it to wait till after the election? Maybe so, because after the election, Carlos Manje, or Manji, Manja, Manja, maybe, I don't know, Carlos went to work for Pete Buttigieg. He's, an, he's a senior advisor to Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg, whatever. So... Maybe that was the long game. Hmm? So the people inside Twitter who are debating this, Yoel Roth, who's like the head of trust and security and he's like, or safety, whatever, and he's like, we need to go at them. This is totally polarizing, damaging to us. And the advice he gets from the two people inside who they're like, oh, we got to play the long game. Oh, we don't want to go after ASD. <clears throat> and then immediately after the election, what happens? They go to work for the Biden administration. Do you think their influence might have been politically motivated in that discussion. So we know that legitimate people, regular Americans, got put onto a list by this Hamilton 68 group as Russian influencers. Somehow or another that they were Russian bots or... Uh, They were connected to the Russian government. And Hamilton 68, who compiled all of this, uh, who compiled this list and then put it out on the uh, or put the results rather out on their dashboard to show in real time. This is how Russia is influencing our elections and our social media discourse. But they would never tell you who's on the list. Twitter reverse engineers it. They find out who's on the list. And then there's this debate. Do we go after them publicly or not? And advisors who all went to work for the Biden administration after he won, they said, no, no, let's not tell anybody or sorry, no, let's not uh, go after them publicly. We'll try to work the refs. We'll try to tell the media, hey, you might want to check into this or whatever. Did that ever happen? I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe that's just what they told the Twitter executives, right? These two people who said, no, no, let's play nice with the uh with the Hamilton 68 because they're politically connected to this, you know, neoliberal think tank and power brokers. One of the guys that got on the list is Chicago-based lawyer named Dave Shistokas. He says, I wrote a book about the U.S. Constitution. How did I make a list like this? There was also a British comic that was on the list who didn't even really do anything about Russia. It wasn't even his material. 
a conservative media guy named Dennis Michael Lynch, also on the list. Joe Loria, editor-in-chief of Consortium News, author of A Political Odyssey with Senator Mike Gravel, a former Boston Globe Wall Street Journal Sunday Times correspondent. What makes this, what Matt Taibbi says in his, um, in his Friday uh, afternoon release of the Twitter files... He says, what makes this an important story is the sheer scale of the news footprint left by this digital McCarthyism. The quantity of headlines and TV segments dwarfs the impact of individual fabulists like Jason Blair and Stephen Glass. Do you remember those names? Jason Blair, Stephen Glass. They just made up stories. Well, they were liberals, reporters and columnists, whatever, but they just make up stories. They got fired. And that, they were just writing for one publication. These guys created a massive disinformation hoax that, that sucked in media, academics, politicians, institutions. Hamilton 68 was used as a source to assert Russian influence in an astonishing array of news stories. Support for Brett Kavanaugh, the Devin Nunes memo, the Parkland shooting, Manipulation of black voters, attacks on the Mueller investigation, smearing of Tulsi Gabbard as foreign assets, um, political causes, to drum up sympathy for political causes. Right? Like this, was, this was all deemed to be the result of Russian influence, and it wasn't. Incredibly and ironically, the stories were also frequently used as evidence of the spread of fake news on Twitter. They would literally cite the Hamilton 68 dashboard as proof that disinformation is spreading all on Twitter when the Hamilton dashboard was itself disinformation. It was all a lie. Virtually every American major news outlet organization cited these fake stories, even fact-checking sites like Snopes and PolitiFact. They used the Hamilton 68 dashboard. Joel Roth, in one email he says, can we talk about how incredibly condescending this is? If you talk about these themes, then you must have been duped by Russian propaganda. Even Joel Roth, who is an ardent Democrat partisan, even he saw that the Hamilton scheme would lead people to assert that, quote, any right-leaning content is propagated by Russian bots. And he knew that wasn't true. By the way, MSNBC, Clinton Watts, founder of the and head of the Hamilton 68, right? The Washington Post, Politico, Mother Jones, which did at least 14 Hamilton 68 stories. The Alliance for Securing Democracy, the offices of politicians uh, like Schiff and Feinstein. Everybody is refusing comment on this. This was an academic scandal also. Harvard. Princeton, Temple, NYU, George Washington, and other universities promoted Hamilton 68 as a source. Elected officials promoted this website. They invited Hamilton 68 experts to come testify. I mentioned Feinstein. You got James Langford, Richard Blumenthal, Adam Schiff, Mark Warner. uh, Warner. All defended the Hamilton 68 project. Matt Taibbi says the mix of digital McCarthyism and fraud did great damage to American politics and culture. 
News outlets that don't disavow these stories now or still pay Hamilton vets as analysts should not be trusted. Exactly right. They should not be trusted. A fraud was perpetrated. These are the folks that did it. And this is not just about Twitter, right? They may have been using Twitter accounts to create their dashboard, but that dashboard infected every other media organization all across all social media platforms. This is why I call it Blue Anon. It's like QAnon, but for the left.